Tea Time is a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective, hosted by Tim Ullman and Jack Caliber. The ULC envisions a future in which all congregations fully equip the priesthood of all believers through world-class leadership development at the local level. Lead Time taps into biblical wisdom for practical solutions to today's burning issues. Each podcast confronts real-time struggles facing the local church in a post-Christian culture. Step into the action with the ULC at uniteleadership.org. This is Lead Time. Welcome to Lead Time. Tim Allman here. Uh, this is a special update on the ULC, what's going on, what's going on in front of the scenes with uh, podcasts and blogs and what's going on more behind the scenes with the number of our learning communities that are taking place right now. And I have uh, three out of the four members of our team, Jack Kalberg, uh, partner hey. on Lead Time Consistently. Awesome to see you, brother. And Tanya Hilton, who Hi. really makes everything happen. And uh, she is an amazing leader uh, in this in this wonderful movement. So let's start out with there's controversy from time to time uh, with podcast guests that we that we have, Jack. Um, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to name any names, but folks can kind of get a little little sideways um, with us. And so for my perspective, and I'd love to get both of your perspectives as well. Uh, the LCMS and we are members of a LCMS congregation is generally uh, a closed a closed community. Um, and I, I believe that it's becoming more closed, especially, and this is no uh, indictment necessarily of those who are leading the synod, but as the culture moves in a decidedly, we could say, neo-pagan secular direction, the response yeah. collectively, um, I'd say by the average LCMS uh, follower of Jesus is to circle the wagons and move into a defensive uh, kind of pietistic posture uh, around things that are, we would say, more more at offer. And we can get more specific on right. this topic. But our goal is to have conversations where we listen deeply to one another and we find our points of common emphasis, hopefully around Christ and him crucified and risen from the dead, our sacramental understanding and our confessional understanding as as Lutherans here in 2024 and beyond. That is, we're trying to, by the power of the Spirit, move to a more open posture rather than a closed posture, especially with our witness uh, to a watching world. Anything more to add to that, Jack and and Tanya? We'll go Jack and then Tanya. Go ahead. I think you nailed it. No, I don't have anything to add to it. I just want to say as as you mentioned yes we we've, we've gotten some comments about some guests that we've had on here we we do uh believe in facilitating conversation and we don't want to make a point that we are not end- endorsing all the opinions of every single person that comes on our show as a guest um but we do think we're healthier as a body if we do have a chance to talk to each other in a spirit of love and challenge right jack i don't i don't endorse all of my thoughts <laughs> that's right <laughs> you, you know what i'm saying like this endorsement we're playing Luther didn't endorse right, all of his thoughts right right i mean we're he playing right it. into culture we're just playing right, right into culture uh when we it, it's it's all kind of identity politics and creating mm-hmm. these labels around, man, I can't be associated uh, with, with that person because they've said that thing. Um, it's, it's very unhealthy. And I will say again, I have about a dozen leaders in LCMS leadership positions. Um, those that have been placed there by, uh, by presidents and district presidents who, and this is on both sides of the confessional missional conversation who don't want to to get on a podcast because they don't want to be, they don't want to be labeled uh, a certain thing. And I just, that's just very unhealthy. 
as it, yeah. so let me just let me just move this to the congregational level how well does it work for me as a leader um to just say you know what if you have any sort of uh, idea that's different than my idea as it relates to leading the local church i can't talk to you i can't i can't be associated with you like this isn't real life you know, I right. have to get into the gray, the the messy with that follower of Jesus baptized in his name. I have to listen, even if I don't like what's being said. Like if I'm going to be a pastor at the local level, that's just the posture of humility that has to be taken. If I lead from an air pastor, maybe this is another thing that we're kind of uh, speaking into. If I lead from this place of this pride, like, oh, I'm you who, how dare you challenge me as the, as a called ordained servant of the word. If I have that sort of a prideful posture, Jesus better humble me very, very quick. I mean, this was his assault against the Pharisees, right? This is a pharisaical position. He goes after power. Go ahead. And Tim, I mean, you and I were just reflecting like the the more in my own studies that I get uh, more confident in our theology, the less anxious I am talking to people that don't share our theology. Um, I don't necessarily feel the need to protect and preserve. I do speak boldly, but I don't, I'm trying not, you know, I'm seeing less and less that the faith that our theology produces when fully grasped properly should produce this posture of an open hand, which trusts in the Lord and not in myself. And so, and so if I'm trusting in the Lord, then I don't have to be anxious talking about people that don't agree with me about stuff. Right. Amen. Amen. Tanya, anything to add? Yeah. It's just, you know, the, the concept of the message of the gospel, it wasn't based in fear. It's something that we should be sharing our confessions out of truth and love which sometimes people will disagree with that. We have circles that are outside of the LCMS sometimes as, you know, personal friends that don't either understand or agree. And I think that when you start becoming this mentality of you have to hold everything really, really tight, you can't change things, you can't have conversations, it's based out of fear. And, you know, our God is not a God of fear. So if you understand the, the, the um, concepts like Jack was talking about, then you can have these open conversations without that fear. And then on that same note too, I was in a conversation with somebody who was in a different denomination and she talked about her pastor having the, don't argue with me, don't disagree with me, don't bring your, (laughs) and that's a form of spiritual abuse. She has a leader that she is told to respect and have, uh, you know, this place of authority. And he uses that authority to stifle when there was concerns and that's dangerous. And not question, yeah. but how can we learn if yeah. we don't question, right? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And then you have the most blind dangerous sides thing too. Is to stop learning. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You got blind yeah. sides. Yeah. You need to have and people. And I don't know that, that we're. Rec- Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you need to have you people, have people in your circle that are going to bring it out that you respect that can mm-hmm. say, hey, this is a blind side. This might be something that we need to look at or address. And when you shut that conversation down, yeah. your blind sides can, can grow. It's dangerous. Do you know who I need to do that for me? My wife, my wife, she's a kind adversary to me. Tim, you're being a jerk. You know, you don't, don't say you can say the right thing, but you can say it in the wrong way and it's all wrong. You know, so this kind of, we, we all have this pharisaical tendency in us to prove ourselves according to what we do rather than what's been done by Christ and him crucified. And we're living out of a faulty, shallow, uh, unsatisfying identity when our identity in Christ gives us, gives us freedom. Um, the two extremes, right. Are antinomianism, 
right? And we're kind mm-hmm. of the, the culture is going in that extreme. There's no law. I'm a law unto myself. I define truth, all of that. And so mm-hmm. the other extreme is pharisaical legalism. And we yep. see we see a tendency in the LCMS around systems and structures and bylaws and all these sorts of things to, if anything is stifling the gospel, getting the gospel into people's ears and and hearts, uh, preachers and pulpits proclaiming law and gospel, if there's any sort of system getting in the way of that, that's a pharisaical tendency that we must, we must obey God rather than man and just lovingly speak into it and invite those that can change it to talk about it, to talk about it, you know, and, and we may be clinging to some idols in the LCMS that are hampering the gospel. And that idol could take the form of any sort of system or institution. The way we've done things in the past uh, can certainly turn into an idol. Go ahead, right. Jack. What, what else? Yeah, like, like a tradition. I mean, and, and just to be clear, nobody here is saying we oppose traditions. There's a lot no. of beautiful, incredible things here. We have a lot of traditional expression of worship and, and teaching here. There's a lot of great, wonderful things that we can learn from tradition. And I also agree that like a lot of these traditions can be held with an open hand and, and there's freedom to use it very well, right? And we need to leave uh, not room necessarily for the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, leave room for the Holy Spirit to do the work. Like the, the preacher's job is to preach the word and then leave room for the spirit to work. And I think that sometimes when you talk about the Holy Spirit, I've, I'm finding in the, the Lutheran circles, sometimes people are like, Oh, I don't know. You know, we need to do this. We need to do this. And, and it's like, well, where's the Holy Spirit? He needs to come up. He's the one faith comes through hearing and it's the Holy Spirit that gives us that faith. Right. So it's not something that we can do. And I think sometimes that's missing when you hold your traditions too tight. Yeah. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is like the wind or like an unbridled crazy goose. I forget who <laughs> that was. I was talking to one of our one of our vicars recently and mm-hmm. he kind of reminded, I mean, it's just going around. You think you can put God into a box? It really is, it really is our our tendency, mankind's tendency. Uh, to to put God into a box, to make what is beyond us containable, controllable, accessible. Um, and anytime we try to do that around around systems and rituals, rites, et cetera, um, man, we're, we're going to be found. If you, if you think you've arrived, you've definitely not arrived. If you think you're absolutely <laughs> like you figured God out, man, God is very, very far away. So this tension between the imminent and the transcendent God is something we have to wrestle with consistently. And, you, you know, I, I think it's the Gamaliel test, right? You may, you may be found to oppo- be opposing God. Uh, by trying to put God into your pharisaical legalistic box. And if you've got a church body of almost 200 years, we've developed a lot of boxes uh, and God is God is beyond those respective boxes. So hopefully there's more comfort with chaos. Maybe that's a good way to, to handle it. The Holy Spirit is at work. Our God is a God of order. Um, he is a creator and he's invited, invited us in to be co-creators with him. But at the very same time, the Holy Spirit is on the loose, doing what only the Holy Spirit can do, and we want to be attentive uh, to that as well. One 
one new learning for me as we kind of land this plane uh, and get into more tangible things. Uh, see, because we want order rather than the this kind of metaphysical, <laughs> theoretical <laughs> conversation we're having right now. But Metanoia is a book. We're going to have Alan Hirsch and Rob Kelly, the co-authors of a book called Metanoia, on lead time here in the coming coming weeks and months. Um, and they define metanoia, which is a word for repentance, as way deeper than just personal guilt and the forgiveness of sins. They view it as a collective paradigm shift. When the John the Baptist comes and says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, Jesus says the same thing, repent. He's inviting them to place their minds above where where Christ is. Meta simply means above and then noia to, to know. So we start to think in, in the spirit rather than in the flesh. And that invites us then to come down into the flesh with a right perspective of the traditions and orders, the structures that we've put together, recognizing that God is within them, but he's also, he's also beyond them. And this is a day-by-day invitation for individuals, as well as churches, as well as institutions uh, to, to repent, meta, metanoia. Anything to add to that, Jack? No, I mean, I always think of the the concept of turnaround, but we we learn about the idea that uh, metanoia, repentance, is a is a passivity. Actually, it's a changing away, a changing, a, and of course, it's the knowledge above the knowledge being informed by the Holy Spirit. That's the thing that's above that transforms our relationship to God. So we think of ourselves as people that are doing to please God, and the metanoia changes our identity. It's actually a shift yeah. in identity that's put on us, and we. In this shift in identity, who we actually are, we start to think radically different about what we're doing to please God and how we're interacting with each other in our vocations, mm-hmm. right? And in the flesh, absolutely, <clears throat> in the flesh, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. I don't want right. to do that. I want right. my kingdom. I want my small kingdom of areas of power and control. Um, he gets into hierarchy an awful lot. And the inverted understanding of of hierarchy now connected to Christ, the one who came to sacrifice and to serve, to take the humble the humble posture. So, in the flesh, Jack, in my sin, right. I don't want to. I don't want to repent. Right. I want to justify. I want to defend. Justify. I want to mm-hmm. defend. Justify ourselves yeah. rather and than be Spirit, justified. Right? Exactly. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the one who must daily kill. Um, and and bring to life. And because we have such a, in the Western world, this is what they spend a lot of time talking about. In the Western world, because we're so hyper-individualistic and consumeristic, we have a hard time viewing the world collectively. So through mm-hmm. kind of the movement of the spirit of the releasing of the Pentecost reality, when the Holy Spirit sent all of the apostles, uh, 3,000 some, you want to talk about an out of control experience, you just take a look at the early church and the way the apostle Paul is simply responding to the metanoia work that the Holy Spirit is is up to all mm-hmm. across the known world. <laughs> he's like, whoa, we got some things we need to figure out, but he's writing reactively not proactively for what God had already had already been doing the metanoia shift that was taking place. Tanya, theologically, any anything kind of sparking in your mind on that topic of metanoia repentance? Well, it's it's like you were saying um, the flesh. This can't happen in the flesh. The flesh and the spirit are opposed to each other. We know that. Um, sometimes people take the knowledge that they get from the worldly stuff. And it does conflict with letting the spirit work and move. Uh, And it's repentance is something that we need to do every day. We know this. We have to kill 
the old Adam so that the new Adam can raise. And I've written that book down as one of my have to reads this, this semester. So that's one more thing I'm going to be diving into. <laughs> Sorry I'm about excited. that. Yeah. I know you got, <laughs> okay. you got a lot of it's reading. Exciting. You got no, a lot of reading good. to do. <laughs> Hey, as we land this plane, um, we want to extend the invitation. You can send us an email. You can go to our website, uniteleadership.org. Uh, you can leave comments there or reach out to us individually. Uh, Jay Kalberg at cglchurch.org. T. Allman at yep. cglchurch.org. We get emails all the time, and it's about relationship and learning from one another. And if we've said something that could be said in a different way, we will individually repent and we will be better uh, moving forward. Anything else to add to that, Jack? Well, and we have often platformed people that disagree with us. You know, key yeah. thing is, are you the type of guy that uh, or guy or gal who likes to disagree agreeably? Right. Uh, yeah. We don't want to have a we don't want to just bring people on the show to fight. But we do love engaging, challenging conversations done in the spirit of love. So, so yeah. I want to speak specifically to uh, some folks <laughs> on YouTube who said, that I should have challenged one of our guests, Nick Graff. I can share his name, right? Nick, when he said something that was kind of passively a little bit of a hit at, at uh, Reverend Dr. Adam Kuntz. And I reached out to Adam specifically via email. He and I have a brotherly chat. It's not going to be recorded. And that bridge is not burned. I, I can say this from what Adam said. He said it's just so hard and sad that uh, the LCMS is not talking about evangelism more right now uh, in our varying, varying context. So that's something we agree. More and more people mm -hmm. need Jesus, the light of Christ, because they're walking, walking in the darkness. Uh, let's get to more of the ULC's kind of big why. Uh, what is the big why? If you get, we can get into a number of these kind of uh, cultural conversations, uh, Jack, and on the mm -hmm. podcast, and I think that's helpful. Uh, but really, there's a foundational why for the ULC regarding highlighting the topic of leadership development, leadership development. Say something about that. Yeah. When I, when I talk to people like, why are you doing this? Right. And we've got some great language on our website about it, but to me, it's some, it, it's summarized in this, that I believe hundred percent that the local church should be <clears throat> equipped to be the best institution in the world at raising up leaders to do ministry. It should be the most amazing institution out there. It should have all of the best practices. It should know what the heck it's doing. It, um, it should have resources to know different ways to do things in different types of contexts. It should just be really, really, really well equipped to do that. Um, and often the case, that's not the, you know, often we, the local church just outsources that and maybe uh, sends that to the seminaries or the, or the, the university system to do that without taking that responsibility on for itself. I think there was a time in history where that model could have worked, but in today's society, I don't think it is. The way that we think relationally, the way that we think authentically, the way that the education systems are changing, um, I think people expect to learn in context, and the institution needs to know how to equip people in context and just be really, really great at that. Jack, I mean, just speaking from my experience at Concordia Seminary in, in St. Louis, loved my four years there. Mm -hmm. uh, but the culture has changed so much that I don't remember having like a Missio Day class right. while I was at the seminary. I mean, kind of right. the mission of God, the grand story of God's work in the world mm -hmm. was assumed. Um, yeah. Maybe, that's, just maybe that's true. Thinking. 
Right. Maybe, yeah. But but now, <laughs> man, I mean, understanding the mission of God and the church's role in that to get the order of Christology to missiology, missiology to ecclesiology. Right. Um, yeah. I don't I don't know that we kind of we kind of skipped right over missiology and went to ecclesiology in a lot of my my and our training and led us to think, oh, um, I'm a doer rather than a developer. Right. I We weren't we weren't. I. I don't ever remember hearing the word multiply in, yeah. in classes, you know what I'm saying? Like, or, yeah. or definitely not scalability, mm-hmm. like, cause the church is already scaled. There's no need to yep. even talk about kind of new things because you're going to, you're going to find a pulpit. There's plenty of churches for you to go to where you can be an ecclesiastical a supervisor for a lot of God's people who are already in the kingdom of God. It was the the world has just so I'm not saying this to disparage the seminary at all. The world is just so radically changed today. And unfortunately, even like curriculums being evolving and developing at, at a seminary level, I can I know a lot of the faculty there, like getting some mild academic changes was very, very difficult uh, with an institution as old as Concordia Seminary in St. Mm-hmm. Louis. So um, mm-hmm. we're just trying to be responsive to what the Holy Spirit right. is doing in a radically different culture here in the United States of America today. Tanya, right. anything more to add around the big why? And even why, in your experience, Tanya, a lot of churches are hesitant to lead into the conversation of leadership development. What's been your experience? Yeah. Um, the equipping the priesthood of all believers. I mean, that's the big lie. You'll see that on our website. Um, but what does that look like? And I think that this is where when we start using terms that come from the secular world, multiplication, leadership development, they're, they're, the brakes come on and people don't want to get into that because they want a separation of church and secular world. But the truth is that there's a lot from the secular world that I think that we as churches can utilize. We hold truth. We hold strong to our truth, the word. We don't change that. We don't compromise that. That hasn't changed for thousands of years, but we have different methods that we can implement that are successful. So a lot of churches, when they start hearing multiplication and discipleship programs, especially in the Lutheran circle, we don't do that. You know, that's not our job. We're supposed to just preach the word, which yes, the church preaches the word. But if you want to have more people preaching the words, you have to start at that local level. You have to develop them, walk alongside them. I mean, this comes straight from scripture. This is Timothy and this is Titus. Paul didn't just plant them in a church and said, here, preach the word and you're off on your own. He instructed them on how to do that, how to raise up more leaders. So I don't think it's a new concept. Right. We're just using new words. So yeah. so one way of thinking about the Great Commission, go and make disciples, I think traditionally has just been you catechize and that's it, right? Yeah. And I think yeah. there is a little bit of a challenge that we can see as it's practiced in, in other denominations. Yes, we agree it's different theology. But there is more to making disciples. It's, it is catechizing, but it is also identifying future leaders, future ministry workers, and, and working relationally with them with excellent curriculum, but also great experience opportunities to develop these people intentionally to be the next generation of ministry leaders. Yeah. So, so I, we've I think taught it's the a, church, a broader amen. concept. What's it that? is a broader concept. And yeah. it, we teach the church engagement model, attract, get, mm-hmm. retain, disciple, multiply. And w- the church has been so oriented around um, maybe hopefully retention and how do we retain through good mm-hmm. preaching and teaching a community of hospitality and love and care. So we've we've 
organized ourselves, especially in a Christian America, around discipleship and the liturgy, which is a yep. which is a beautiful thing. Um, and there's useful. just a lot very useful. <laughs> Well, it right. is. A, you could say it's a center point. Like the right. church doesn't exist apart from understanding what is its primary aim mm-hmm. to get people connected to the forgiveness of sins by grace through faith in Jesus, baptized, brought into the family of faith. And yet in this culture today, there's a lot that must happen before. And we call this meeting felt needs. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus met felt needs. Relational equity. Right. Relational equity um, right. and and kind of changing the narrative because the church doesn't have a place of, of great esteem in our culture today. Right. So what is the narrative of the church going on mission to attract people in the best sense of the word uh, to care for felt needs? And then there's great work to be done on the other end of the spectrum, which is the leadership development conversation, serve, lead, mm-hmm. coach, direct. So we teach, yes, we need the core, but there's stuff that happens before and after as the church is multiplied for mission and leaders are raised up to start new new ministries to to reach yeah. people with the gospel. Um, and all and of to, that to is la- under the umbrella of make disciples. Right. Amen. 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 So one of the one of the invitations right now in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod is we have outsourced leadership development. Right. Mm-hmm. In, in, a, in an American uh, Christian America, we, we have these institutions that were established and it it worked well for a while. And because leaders have not been and the systems have not necessarily been adapted because we can only adjust like training mechanisms every three years at Synod and Convention, uh, the world has moved much faster than our adaptive ways at training up, especially locally, the next generation of of leaders for the church who are all there within your pews. Everything we teach is they're there. The, the men who can be future pastors, the women who can be the future deaconesses and teachers, administrators, leaders, like they're all they're all there. Uh, but we have not right. established the systems to identify, train and launch them. We've outsourced that system to to our Concordias and to our seminaries. And I'm praying for a season where there's more partnership with the local church rather than kind of you just you just send them all to us because it's not it's not giving the quantity of leaders that's necessary not just to start new ministries, but even to sustain churches that exist right now, not the quantity. And we may say because of the removal from respective contexts, this is where the debate can be. It may not be the quality of leaders that are necessary uh, in our respective diverse contexts today. So we just want to be, we want to be a kind uh, adversary, a kind internal adversary to highlight the need for leadership development at the, at the local level. Anything else to add there? No, I I think that's fantastic. Outsourcing, I mean, that's an interesting observation. Outsourcing, part of what we'd say is an important part of the engagement model, leadership development, and then also not equipped uh, at all, really, what the best practices are on the front end, the before discipleship, the attract, get, retain part of it. And so um, we'll we'll talk a little bit about this, but there are a lot of things, um, a lot of dumb taxes that churches pay in order to figure out what are the best practices to reach your local community. And then one of the things that we are passionate about is helping churches um, understand what these best practices are and, and giving that in a way that is contextualized. Hey, we can take this best practice and we can t- contextualize it at the local level. So that's not just leadership development, but also how to be missional, right? <laughs> reaching, reaching new people who are unbelievers or un- underchurched and bringing them into the local church. This is not liberal, this sort no. of a move. Uh, that's what some may say is you're selling out or it's it's liberal. It's just recognizing that 
God is a God of order and creation. This is all just first article reality stuff. How do healthy uh, businesses grow? Well, they look at culture. They look at the systems. They look at the necessary organizational structures. And they're Mm -hmm. consistently adapting those structures and systems with a healthy culture of love and care and respect and challenge to reach a diverse marketplace. That's just what a healthy organization does. And the church should be fantastic at culture, systems, and structure. Why? Because our big why of reaching people with the gospel is so compelling. We will do whatever it takes. And there's a blessing of even, just pause and think about this, that you even get to listen into this conversation right now. A few hundred, maybe a thousand, few people that get to listen to this, all based on technology. Should we, should we live with our head in the sand and say, I'm not living in 2024. You're taking in content via technology right now. Uh, it's a gift from Jesus. It should be leveraged to reach people with the gospel and uh, as those systems. But here's the thing. Those systems and those structures, they do not want to evolve by nature. So we just right. have to recognize that and be patient with the process. Your systems and structures in your local church and the opinion leaders, or you may say the power brokers who hold said structures and systems, they don't want to evolve. You know, sin within us wants to stay exactly the same. And Jesus is calling us up. The Holy Spirit is calling us out uh, to where he is to have this open. If I could pray for one just brain shift right in the synod would be a collective curiosity at what the Holy Spirit is doing rather than a condemnation and then a narrowing in on our respective boxes uh, to justify ourselves as a congregation or even as a synod, a synod uh, that there would just be more more humility. Tanya, anything to add? I mean, we're not trying to yeah. reinvent the wheel here. We're just curating first article realities of, of how the Lord is at work in, the, in our broader culture. Um, anything yeah. more to add there, Tanya? It's just, you know, it's having this concept that something we recognize that our culture is changing. changing. We're in a post-Christian society. Um, Americans today don't need, they don't think they need, and they don't think that they want Jesus in their life. So it's being able to recognize that there are tools that we could try and having the willingness and the boldness even and the courage to say, hey, let's just experiment. We're not claiming to know the right way or, or the best way. We are taking the best practices and trying to implement them and see how it works for the church culture. And I think that that's something that it takes bravery to just try. And then if it doesn't work, you know, we shift. So we're not saying we need to change all the systems in the district or the synod or, you know, everything needs to go. We're just saying, let's explore this, you know, and that's something that I personally enjoy with the work that I do with the ULC, but just in general is, Hey, here's an idea. Let's just try it. Let's see how it works. You know, what's the worst that can happen is it doesn't work. And we go back to what we already know. Yeah. Yeah. It is the infinite game mindset, right, Jack? Yeah, Absolutely. It's it's this build, measure, (laughs) learn. And Yeah. yeah kind of seeing yourself as your main competitor. We're competing. We don't have to compete with the church down the street. We can see them as a, a, uh, was it worthy rival, rival, Mm -hmm. right? In the best sense of the word that it challenges us to be better at what we're doing. Um, But seeing ourselves as our primary competitor, can we be better uh, at being what it is that God wants us to be? Uh, The, the institution that reaches the, uh, the unbelievers gives them the gospel. Um, the Holy Spirit, right, is dwelling here in the church in relationship, uh, inviting people into relationship with other believers, being discipled, yes, by ministry leaders, but also equipping the local church to do discipleship in their homes, uh, with their friends, with their neighbors. 
Uh, it's just a very different way of thinking. Very open. But this isn't thinking. a new concept. You know, th- this isn't right. new. This is something that the early church had. You know, you had the Jewish communities who right. were so familiar with how they were running things, and now they have to right. change it to reach a whole new people. Right. You know, so th- this isn't a There's new incredible struggle. lessons. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Pentecost for the Gentiles, right? Yeah, uh, they receive the Holy Spirit just as we have. Can anybody keep these guys from being baptized and brought into the family of faith? Yeah. It's gonna like it's like Peter in that moment. It's like uh, this is gonna get messy. I, they're gonna they're gonna bring all their baggage, all their pagan ideologies. You know, is meat sacrifice. We're gonna have to talk different about worship we're songs. Have to talk about some, yeah, they're gonna yeah, have different worship, worship songs. songs. <laughs> it may have some drums, by the way, because anyway, <laughs> guitar drums. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's just okay. Here we go. The Holy Spirit <laughs> yeah. has descended upon this group of people, and we can't help but but say, "Whoa, it's not us." Like I would wanna, I would wanna tightly hold to our Jewish rituals, but we've forgotten our way. We've forgotten the mission of God. We've forgotten the story of God's love for the world through Israel, through the Jews. It was never meant to be contained there, but as a container to release the goodness of God out into the world. So, yeah, we got to be reminded over and over again. We, we forget mm-hmm. so often and we make, we make the gospel. It's, it's me and my Jesus kind of in, in a box and me and Je- I, I've been reflecting on, on the fact that I can't even rightly interpret scripture on my own. You know, my devotional practices, me and Jesus are great, but when I'm with two or more, you know, or in two or three or more of us are gathered, then the scriptures come alive. There's something yeah. uh, divine and mysterious about Jesus descending as the body of Christ, people simply gather to talk about him and his work in, in the world. Um, and Jesus is at work in beautiful ways. And we just want to be attentive, attentive and, and found faithful uh, to his mission. So let's get super practical as we're heading down the home stretch here. Uh, what are, what are some of the future dreams uh, for the ULC, Tanya? Well, we're shifting, you know, like I said, we always build, measure, learn. So when we first started, gosh, it's been about five years ago, four and a half years ago, um, we really had a concept that we wanted to reach people and congregations through um, our accelerated cohorts, our consultations, one-on-one consultations, and then a certification, which we weren't quite sure what that looked like. And over the last several months, maybe, I don't know, it's been 18, 18 months, 12 months or so, we've been really partnering with Luther House of Studies. Um, they are an online seminary program connected through the Kairos University. Um, it is a Lutheran stamp. Uh, it is accredited. It's acce- uh, accessible. Um, it's a extremely affordable. It's $3,600 for the entire year. And they offer the MDiv program, a BA and a master's program as well. Um, so we're, we're shifting to partner with them for the certification part. And that looks like online teaching. So we are teaching um, yeah. classes for Luther House online. We're teaching our second class now, the leadership development, and we're developing a new class, uh, the missions class. Um, and then we also offer these programs to anybody, you don't have to be part of Kairos or university. You could just take these classes through our learning platform. So if people go to the ULC website, um, uniteleadership.org, and then go to learning platform, it'll take you to that platform. So you can actually take the classes that we're offering in the seminary just as a standalone. So you can take it at any time and be part of our community with that as well. And there's a cost to to that, right? There's a monthly membership cost, 
$199, uh, putting these classes together. There's a lot that goes into filming, gosh, dozens and dozens yep. of learning videos uh, for you to take in. Uh, so there is a cost there. And we say yeah. if cost is an issue for you, just reach yeah, out to fine. us and uh, we'll do whatever we can so that you and your church can go on this uh, leadership learning learning journey. Anything more to add yeah. there, Jack? Yeah, I mean, so we've got two kind of pathways where you can experience some of that teaching. One is within the Luther House of Study, kind of on the Kairos platform. Actually, you don't have to be a Luther House student. You could be just a student at, you know, at large taking those classes or auditing those classes. That'd be fine. You don't have to do the homework then if you just want to hear the content. Or you can go onto the platform that we're putting together, uh, as Tanya mentioned. So there's actually kind of two pathways where you get to experience that. Um, but one of the things that's really interesting is we are uh, reaching more and more folks in the in the uh, LCMS world because there's uh, been a lot of interest from LC, uh, up-and-coming LCMS students to participate in the Luther House program. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I, I think we're that's also, a bit of a fun situation we're in. Yeah, right now. yeah. <laughs> we're, we're working with a number of district presidents um, and... There, this is a much broader conversation. I mean, our students are learning uh, and uh, our churches are being served very, very well uh, mm-hmm. by up and coming, up and coming leaders, um, young and bivocational, co-vocational, all that. We've talked, we've talked a lot about that, but every stream of leadership development in the LCMS is drying up right now. And so yeah. there are a number of districts who are working with, say, the Pastoral Formation Committee, the seminaries, Concordias, the universities. They all want to be at the table to try to have adaptive means uh, to meet this need. And and our partnership with Luther House uh, could eventually evolve with an LCMS kind of stamp on it uh, and get a number of our theologians dispersed through this learning learning platform. With I'm praying that happens. Yep. But as we've as we've said, systems and structures in the LCMS take a very 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 long time to uh, adjust. And uh, we want to stay in that conversation while at the same time saying, hey, there's great, great content that you can take in. Uh, And and Chris and Sarah have been fantastic. Uh, I can say this, that they're like in terms of functions of the law. Like we'll have different conversations around, but I love the conversations. So Chris and Sarah are way more of a two function approach uh, to to talking about the law. And I would love to yeah. actually have them on to, to discuss this. And and we, yeah, we, we then are love to have some great conversations about this on the podcast here. Where yeah, some, for sure. Uh, some, for sure. We get into, well, uh, better theologians getting a conversation about this, right? <laughs> yeah. Like the Joel Beerman, Dr. Beerman yep. at the seminary. Mm-hmm. So maybe he gets on because he's got, he's got a lot of uh, thoughts on, on the three functions of the law mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and its role in preaching right. and in the life of the church. So, right. you and know, can I we're having also, conversations. Yeah, go ahead. I'm go ahead. Tanya. Interrupt, but there's, there's a misconception. So I do monitor a lot of the social media comments. And one of the, the themes that keep running out that I see is that people will say about uh, the Luther house students um, that we're shortchanging them, that we're just spitting out these ill-equipped and it, I, there's a misconception because with the Luther House program, there's a three-part mentor team for every student that goes through this, regardless of their ministry context or role. And these mentors go through them for the entire three, four years. So consider it more like a four-year vicarage. It's really what it is. So every one of these students not only are learning the content, but they are actually applying it as they learn with their mentor team. So Pastor Tim, you're, you're a ministry mentor. 
some of our vicars that go through this or, or some of our students, you're walking right along with them. And so you are correcting anything in the real time. So it's not, you know, three, four years later, you spit them out and then they're completely ill-equipped. So the concept is beautiful. It's what is already in place, but then just kind of enhancing on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it is it is the convergence of the academic world, the institution with grassroots uh, local ministry application, both of them dancing together on the student's learning journey, the three, four years yeah. uh, student learning journey. And the mentor teams uh, are, are staying connected consistently. But then the the classes, if you will, the more robust classes, I mean, there's eight now in partnership with the ULC, there's eight rotating classes that are really, really deep. And if anybody says the Reformation theology class, uh, that's kind of the foundational class from Luther House, well, that's, that's shortchanging. I, it is robust. Our students yeah. come out like you, you, I took a, a like, class <laughs> called Lutheran Mind. Yeah, I took a class called Lutheran Mind. Joel Okamoto, he's going to be a guest on the podcast here soon. And it's like that your whole world. You want to talk about a paradigm shift or metanoia, your whole world of trying to justify yourself. And you guys, I mean, all the students that get get into it, it's all about faith. It's all about <laughs> the whole conversation, you know, because because you're kind of being reprogrammed, if you will, to read this scripture with a with a robust law gospel Lutheran lens. And uh, yeah. that's kind of disorienting. It should be disorienting. So yeah, the whole conversation, and we've got a number of students also taking part in Greek and Hebrew learning labs and, and those types of things too. So it is not shortchanging uh, the uh, the training mechanism by any stretch. Uh, and I've had I've had some say, well, we should we should put them to a put them to a test, you know. I, I bet I bet our students in this program would, <laughs> uh, and I'm not gonna, again Amen. I'm not going to name names here, but I, our students would kick their butts. I've I've had I'd, I've had meetings like whoa first let's do it. What are you What are you talking? <laughs> and okay, fine, yeah. There's a competitive side of it. We'll all get better together as we grow yeah. up into Jesus who yeah. is the head. Uh, so yeah, it's it's kind of kind of humorous. Anything else, so Tanya, to add about the the future of the ULC and and uh, where we're going? Well, we have a lot of um, different ways to support, but I don't know if we're ready to jump into that yet. But a lot of people have reached out and saying, how can I support the ULC? So uh, one of the best ways is to just follow us on YouTube, social media, you know, uh, Instagram, Facebook, follow and like our posts. That's a huge support. And then some other people might want to do a donation. So you can go to our website and donate financially. Um, and then we have other ways that you can support us, you know, be a part of the team. If there's people who want to serve uh, from home that doesn't even have to be here locally, we have a lot of different needs to be able to expand our reach. So social media support, community support, um, curriculum support. So there's many different ways. So if people want to learn more about that, they can reach out through the info at uniteleadership.org. Send us an email, just say, hey, how can I support? And then they'll get in conversation with me and um, we can just kind of dive in and see where they can support us. Love it. Uh, we're going to be at the Best Practices of Ministry Conference at Christ yeah. Church Lutheran in Phoenix. Uh, this should be going out like one of the first weeks of February. So that that gathering is February 22nd through the 24th. Uh, shout out to Jeff Schrank and his entire team there, Pastor Schrank, who put that on. It is Luther Palooza. It is uh, <laughs> folks going on a, uh, a going fun. on a journey. Yeah, with with most with very you know, missional hearts. Diverse, 
They're right. with very mission oriented hearts, but there's diverse parts of the mm-hmm. LCMS who are now taking part in this this gathering. It's a wonderful, wonderful kind of open forum, open space for a number of different best practices, ideas to be shared. They feed you. It's amazing. It's free. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need you need to be there. So um, if you don't plan on doing it this year for one reason or another, please, please plan on coming to it uh, in subsequent years. It will be a blessing. Right. I think they're on their like 13th year or so. And yep. I've not. I've been blessed. I came with my associate pastor or my senior pastor at the time. I was an associate at uh, at Bethlehem Lutheran. Shout out to Dave Languish there. Uh, we jumped on a plane. I remember from Denver down to Phoenix in in February, and I felt like I had just arrived. I remember golfing Jack in February yeah. with with David, and I was <laughs> like, "What land. kind of world is this?" And then a few a couple years later, I happened to be a pastor down in the Phoenix area. So our team yeah. has been blessed by it, and you would you would as well. This is uh, lead time. We we want to have conversations like this about every quarter or so. We're going to have kind of a ULC nuts and bolts kind of update. Uh, we are simply better together as uh, we go on a journey to multiply disciples, uh, to learn, to remain humble, learning, reading, sharing uh, as we grow up into Jesus, who is our head, our King, our Lord. That is our ultimate goal is that hell would be depopulated and heaven would be populated by the power of the word and the spirit. It's a good day. Go and make it a great day. Thanks so much, Jack. Thanks, Tanya. God bless. You've been listening to Lead Time, a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective. The ULC's mission is to collaborate with the local church to discover, develop, and deploy leaders through biblical Lutheran doctrine and innovative methods. To partner with us in this gospel message, subscribe to our channel, then go to theuniteleadership.org to create your free login for exclusive material and resources, and then to explore ways in which you can sponsor an episode. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode. The Unite Leadership Collective is excited to announce the launch of our new online learning platform. Whether you're considering entering into ministry or already leading, we have the resources that you need to become an empowered leader in your ministry. Our learning platform will release new courses every quarter with our first available course, Becoming an Engaged Leader, available now. But by joining our monthly membership, you'll unlock unlimited access to all of our courses and gain entry into our exclusive coaching community space where ministry leaders can connect with each other. This community also grants you access to bi-weekly coaching calls led by the ULC team, private Zoom calls, and additional team discounts. To celebrate the launch, we're offering introductory rates for all of our courses and the monthly subscription plan. Just enroll prior to January 1st using the code 75ULC2023 to get 75% off at checkout. Visit theuniteleadership.org to learn more about our online learning platform and start your journey to lead effectively in any church settings today.